welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I wanted to start with something that Shudi said on Wednesday night. That anytime I feel, I mean, seriously, it was a powerful message. If you weren't here, there's all kinds of ways to watch and listen to that thing. She said, when I feel anxiety or fear or concern, that Jesus just became in the background of my awareness. That I have to switch it to where he becomes center of my awareness. And I I wanted to start with that today because um, there's been a lot happening in the secret place. And, you know, I believe that there is coming a day when when we will say, I know them by their fruit. You know, I've preached a message last week, and Judy did part two on I will wait. But there's something that comes after the waiting. That's why waiting is the anticipatory nature within waiting is something is being made that I can't see. And because that is being because if I don't yield to that process, then the only things that are made of my life are what I can see, and nothing great is done on the surface. All things that are great are done in the deep, in the dark, in the cocoon, in the waiting period. And and we will never fulfill our destiny. I'm just telling you, the only thing in my heart that I want to do with my life is do the assignment God put me on this planet in 2022 to do. I'm, I wasn't born in 1822. I can't go back. I'm not going to be here in 20, I don't know, give me some... 2122, yeah. I'm probably not, I'm going to be 160 then when I... <laughs> So this is it. This is my one life. This is my one chance. And that's why everything I put my hand to, everything that I watch with my eyes has to be with kingdom in mind. Everything I do that's not with kingdom in mind is going to be burned up. And it's actually building momentum of something that you will have to reverse at one point in your life. This is a whole generation of people soothing their souls with something that's actually chaining them. We're using people for comfort. And God won't have it. I'm just telling you, He will not have it. And so we are either going to, this is the best day of your life because this is the day that you understand what metamorphosis really, really does do. You know, I, I was, I was thinking the other day I, I was just reading, I can't even remember why, but I came upon the story of the transfiguration. Now, weirdly in my little noggin, I was thinking that that the transformation, transfiguration, transformation, it's the same thing. Transfiguration was 
kind of at the end of Jesus's life, but it was actually in the middle. I don't even know why, but that's irrelevant to this discussion today, but I just had to confess it because <laughs> that was, you know, right there and I just needed to say it. And so I was reading about it and let's, there's three instances of it. And let me just give them on to you here. I think I have written it down somewhere. There, it's in Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9. And if you remember, um, I believe it's in Matthew. You know, Jesus, I think it was the same story that Christy told last week about Jesus feeding the mega thousands of people with the little loaves and fish, right? You know, he did that a couple times. I mean, I'm figuring he's did that a lot more than they told, right? I mean... Jesus always had a crowd. You know, people get hungry. I mean, I'm hungry right now. I don't know about you. You know, I ate at 1.30. I ate at 3.30. I ate at 6.30. I'm on like fourth breakfast now. And so right after that amazing miracle, think about 4,000 people not even caring where the fish and chips came from. Just like, hey, free fish and chips with Jesus. Let's go. I mean, how many know that some people are probably falling for the free fish and chips? I mean, let's be honest. The reason why it's true, because right after that, they said, let's show us a sign. You just had free fish and chips. So that tells you that their heart couldn't see the free fish and chips. Once they were satisfied, I'm all full up now. Hey, what is whatever the magic trick that you got? And so in two of the stories, they say six days later. And in Luke, he says eight days later. I don't know what happened there. Right? But some days later, it said that Jesus picked... These three little dudes. Now, they didn't know what they were going to do. Let's look at it, shall we? Do you like this story? I kind of like to just tell it in my personal version. It's just funner. Six days, this is Matthew 17. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and two, the two brothers, Jacob or James and John. Remember who John is. Remember who Peter is. Peter, he's a sanguine. Let's just be honest. John's not. That's why John tells on everybody in his book. Yeah, he w- I'm pretty sure, you know, he was an introvert. You know, how many introverts know? <laughs> you just see stuff you need. You want someone to do something with it. The sanguines are doing stuff, and we need someone to have attention on this, right? They're going to blow up the computer. They're going to share our data. Something's going to happen, Right. So that's the three dudes that got to go up, and they hiked up a high mountain to be alone. Then Jesus' appearance was dramatically altered. You know, when I was reading this the other day, I was listening to the encounter room, and it was a part where Shooty and Aaron were singing about, they were playing it actually when I walked out here a while ago, which was weird, um, about filling me up. And so I was reading this the other day when I was listening to that, and I had this encounter with this next two verses. It says, A radiant light, as bright as the sun, poured from his face. 
and his clothing became luminescent, dazzling like lightning, and he was transfigured before their very eyes. Now, that word transfigured is metamorphoso in the Greek. It's, a me- it's, a, it's the same thing we've been talking about. The little caterpillar has a metamorphosis experience. And I propose to you that the reason why I feel, feel like the Holy Spirit highlighted this story was because I felt like that he was trying to, to tell us that if you will wait and if you will find yourself in this place of what I talked about the last two services, cocooning. It's a waiting period. It's an expecting period. It's, it's like, like I said the other day, you can cut yourself out of waiting. You can even bail others out of waiting. I mean, think about your life for a minute. How many times did you get bailed out of waiting? And trust me, it didn't make you stronger. And then as an adult... The waiting's harder. See, the longer you put off waiting, the less of a Kairos moment it is. But it's still coming. Waiting's still coming. We, we, and in that moment of waiting, when it's actually time, we are changed into another person. Listen, this is going to happen the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. There are no dark periods in God. Quit saying that over your life. It's not a dark period. You're just in a little cocoon. It's just dark in here. You just can't see. You can't flow around. You don't get to have your own way. And listen, you don't want to be 40 or 50 years old before you experience what it feels like for you not to get your own way. And there's some people in here, you still don't know what that feels like. You still get your own way. You are selfish. Let me help you. Let me put a word to it so you'll know what you really are. You only have you on your mind. You don't have your assignment. Get mad and offended at me, but God's saying, come. I am wanting you to come out of the grave of selfishness. Everybody else has done it. Anybody else you see with anointing or power or are actually happy. They have gone through a period of transformation to where they became luminescent. Their being changed. They were transformed. And guess what the three dudes did? You'll never guess. They got scared. How many stories in the Bible... When God displays his power, do people turn to fear? And we wonder why God didn't do anything. Why, why ain't he showing up at your work? You got somebody manifesting when you pray for him, that's going to cause a scene. It's going to cause a scene. God's trying to bring some deliverance, and we're worried what it's going to look like. Oh, my gosh, Jesus, can you imagine 
Jesus is right before them, and it said in one version that his garment was so white, it was, the, it was purer than any laundering you could have ever done. That's what it said. Bam, just like that. And they got scared. Who's scared of your transformation? Who doesn't like your transformation? People changing makes people not changing nervous. Well, where, why aren't you in your spot of non-change with me? We're in the non-change zone here. We've set up roles for you already. We'll be calling you later to inform you of your role. And we will make sure you feel real guilty when you think you can change. Then they'll pull the card. Well, you must think you're better than everybody else. Well, yeah, I am. I've been, I'm luminescent, can you tell? I have been transformed. By what? Changing my mind. You can't change your heart. You can't change your heart. You cannot change your heart. You cannot change your heart. You cannot change your heart. But you can change your mind. And if you will change your mind and you will renew it to God's ways. Renew means that you were supposed to already have been doing that. You came to the planet with this perfect setup of the love of God and someone taught you some other form of love and it's not love. We stamp abuse and call it love. Listen, I've worked with abused women for years. Since 11 years old was was the first moment that I met an abused person. 11. It was a little bit above my pay grade that day, but it is not no more. And see, I promise you that when you finally discover your assignment, you're going to see moment after moment after moment after moment after moment all throughout your past where that was him. He was strumming that string. Strung your heart that Played the harp in your heart right there. Played it again right there. Oh, no, I don't, I don't know how to do that. See, by the time I was 16 and the little girl who had an abortion came to my house and sat in my living room and said, what must I do? And I said, I could not help her. From that day on, I said, I will never be in that situation again. I will learn. I will educate myself to be able to wield my assignment well. Now, I haven't done it all perfect. Just ask Bailey. I got to mess up on her a lot. She's a great product for me to mess up on. Because she's long-suffering. Full of grace for Tisa. Can't even be offended by Tisa in any possible way. Forgiveness flows like the floodgates of heaven. Because she knows that that's her calling for me to practice on her. And see, whoever's coming after her, she's going to practice on them like I did on her. And they're going to be full of mercy. And they're going to be full of grace. And they're going to just keep coming because 
I have the words of life. And see, right now, he is changing you. In this room, people in this room right now are feeling the metamorphosis process right now where he is trying to make you luminescent. He's trying to say, yeah, all those people that are afraid of your changing, it doesn't really matter, baby, because you're just fixing to walk right on down the mountain and you're fixing to do all kinds of miracles and those people are going to follow you going, well, I was scared, but now you look pretty amazing. You know, the, I just love responses of the disciples. They're so human. They're your responses, my responses. Peter's like, let's make a shrine. Somebody's going to come and want to make a shrine out of you. They tried it with me. See, you don't know, you don't understand what it's like to pioneer. People will give you money. And tell you what they want you to do. No, don't move to the upper room. I don't like those 27 stairs. And so I won't be back. And they weren't. (laughs) See, your assignment is probably going to be pioneering for you. I've gone before you and done some things. I got some ground ready. I plowed out some hard ground. Me and Pam have been plowing. Pam has been my armor bearer and intercessor longer than I've known y'all. Y'all all need one. Everybody that has a God assignment needs an armor bearer. Won't you try to be one for somebody? I mean, there's all kinds of people in here. Y'all could just be some for each other. It doesn't mean you don't get to do nothing else. Pam could do what I'm doing, but no, she chooses to do something else. Why? Because God told her to. It wasn't what she wanted. I didn't want to be up here. She wanted to be up here. We just changed places. But see, that's why he said, lay up for yourselves treasures, not on earth. I remember when Pam thought she was going to be the next Joyce Meyer. I was like, sure, yeah, let's do it. Whatever, yeah. Where can you start? Okay, we'll do the prison ministry thing. Okay, you go do that. Be, knock yourself out. Had a big crowd. Everybody loved her. Big church. Pam, you're the girl. You're the man. You're the woman. You're it. You're the girl. We're just going to give you the entire prison ministry for the whole state of Oklahoma. It was a well-oiled machine. I was sitting in my living room watching when Princess Diana died when Pam walked in the door and said, I I told him I couldn't because my hands are dead. See, your metamorphosis will attract. Let's make a shrine. Let's give them the whole kitten caboodle. But look down. What do you got? I mean, you talk about great wisdom. For a woman to know, I don't have it. I don't have it here. But she got it here now. I'd take Pam anywhere, pray for anything. Toads, snakes, dogs, people, houses, buildings. 
She got somebody a million dollars in Colorado. I remember when God spoke to her. We hung up with a, we hung up with an introvert then, and she wrote on her card, "God's gonna give you a million dollars." And the the pastor's wife came back and said, "Did you mean to write this?" Well, I think it's clear there. One million dollar. Make you want to holla, baby. There. Why are we unclear about this number? Hobby Lobby man gave them a million dollars. A year later. We weren't there then. But that did happen. And they asked me to come and pick out their paint colors. And they got the old Maryland Hickey building. That's stuff we've done when these things ain't dead. We got a hundred of those stories. We got stories like that we never told nobody. We ain't got time. We're just too busy illuminating on everything else now. Yeah. See, when you've got your assignment, there's, I mean, even when something falls down and goes boom and doesn't work out, you just pick up and do the next thing. You just pick up and do the next thing. You just pick up because why? The assignment of God is the fulfillment of why you're even on the planet. You're not on the planet to get a Dr. Pepper later. You're on the planet to change a life, to illuminate on them that you have been changed, that you're no longer a little worm in a dark hole that doesn't know nobody and nobody knows your name. You're a soaring butterfly with beautiful wings and everybody wants to just touch them. I will rise. Will you? Will you? The stone wasn't there for him. They came running. Remember, they were just coming to visit the rock. And that stone wasn't there anymore. It had been moved away. Don't you love Jesus? He's a tidy guy. He folded up his grave cloth. You know why? He ain't going to take that no more. Did you fold yours up? Did you keep it? Did you keep it in here? Did you keep it on here? Where'd you keep your grave clothes? You're just going to pull them out later, see if you're still dead? It's meant to be left behind for someone to find, to realize you are you are not there anymore. You are not that same man. You are not that same woman anymore. And someone should be coming along saying, "What happened to you? You're scary. I want to be scary. I want, I want my anointing. Listen, I. It has been said about me since I was a little girl. I mean, in my elevens, twelves. That I was intimidating. How can a little 11 year old be intimidating? <laughs> See, I just had that thing that I was glad. I was glad because, see, I didn't let them change me. I was here to change them. You're not here for some worldly person to change you back into what you got, came out of the grave. They're, they're lined up. They're still in the grave. 
They're beckoning you. Come back to the hole. We're so comfortable here. This is love. This is love. And see, I love it when Peter, he's just like, let's just build, you know, because what happened? Elijah and Moses showed up, right? So this is right. Peter blurted out. This is how Matthew describes Peter. Peter blurted out. This wasn't Peter saying this. This is, this is Matthew talking about for Peter. Peter blurted out like a good sing one. It says it right there. Lord, it's so wonderful that we are all here together. If you want, I'll build you a shrine, three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But while Peter was still speaking, I believe that means that somebody came up over the top of him right there. Has anybody ever interrupted you, stupidity? Please give everyone an invitation. Please interrupt my stupid logical diatribe about why I feel like I feel. Go rend. Let's just make it a rule. Go rend, come back. Rend and use again. Let's go rend and come back. Because see, without the rending, without the pouring out, without the telling him, I am undone. I am nothing. I'm a worm. I don't feel good. See, I do that all the time. And then you never do see that part. Because then I come out like, I'm amazing. All the good in me is him. And boy, do I know it. But I do not mind to shine. Do you mind to shine? Shine. You have to force yourself not to shine when you're shiny. You have to get under so much fear not to shine when you're shiny. While he's still speaking, a radiant cloud composed of light. Wait, that was significant. A cloud's not composed of light. Pammy, what's it composed of? Say it louder. Water. This was, Pam's an ex-earth science teacher. It was light, a cloud of light. This is, this is their um, Hebrew, Greek words, Aramaic words. Cloud of light spread over them, enveloping all of them. And God's voice suddenly spoke from the cloud and said, this is my dearly loved son. Now, when's the other time that that happened to Jesus? When he was baptized. What did he say then? Came up out of the water. What's baptism a representation of? Come on, Zewo. It's a representation of what? Resurrection. When he was resurrected, Jesus, when was he resurrected in baptism? Right before he started his ministry. And God said, this is my son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. This is what he said this time. This is my dearly loved son, the constant focus of my delight. Listen to him. See, your first metamorphosis is to discover your identity. Do you know yet that you're the beloved? You're his bright delight. Do you really know it? See, because I know that, I can live like I've never sinned. Because I have an advocate. 
Hey, Tisa, that's not a good thing. Oh, right. See, we act like repentance. Who ever, we, we should have said that in Jesus one-on-one. We should have said, the hardest thing you're ever going to do in your life is to ask for forgiveness and actually live like you haven't sinned. We are a constant reminder of our sin. What an exhausting life. I refuse to do it. I preached this a few weeks ago. What is our reasonable service? In light of the mercies of God, Somebody's, come on, come on, come on, teacher Pammy, help us again. Say it a little louder. Say it a little louder. Present yourself a living. This is our response to this unbelievable. A sacrifice doesn't sound like it's your, your own. You're not your own. You don't get to choose how you get healing. You don't get to choose where you're going to speak. See, God says to me all the time. He makes me say stuff to people, and then he's like, no, we're not doing that now. Man, I wish I hadn't said it, but I was confident. He's like, I did that on purpose because you said I could use your mouth. Right. I don't remember that now. See, the things of you, your feelings, your mouth, your legs, where you live, your job, it's not your own. It's not your own. Quit acting like you're in control of it. You are absolutely not in control of nothing. It's silly to even watch you try to be in control because you're not even good at it. And it's such a waste of years. So he said, in the second moment where God speaks from heaven, so the first moment he's establishing, you've just been resurrected. And you're about to start something amazing, so you better know this identity. I'm not going to say it, but twice in your whole life. What if God said that to you? I remember when, when John Paul said it takes 12 years to become a prophet, and I was like, I was on like three months. And it's true. I'm well past 12 years from that plan, but it was true. I didn't want it to be true. I wanted it to be faster. I remember when I thought I knew. I remember when I thought I knew stuff. A prophet, their gift isn't even about knowing stuff. See, he's entrusting you with a secret he only tells his prophets. Can you keep a secret? Well, right there, you've already blown it. Back to the hole. Back to the cocoon. Now we're in the cocoon of keeping a secret. Said, well, I mean, now we're in a cocoon of keeping a secret. Right? See, all these things that don't work out. Have you had a few things that didn't work out? Have you got to the place where something didn't work out and you were glad? Yes. Have you? Yes. You got a couple of those? Yes. Isn't it funny how we can make something happen? We can just force it on in there, baby. We can just punch it on in. The second time, he's like, he's, he knows who he is. He hears my voice. Because what did Jesus say? I only, well, occasionally I'll just do whatever I want to do. See, the, the, the crux of life is can you get your will to not do your own way, not my will, but your will be done. That's the crux of life. Can you do that? That's it. 
And he starts with really small things. Tie your shoes. Eat a good meal. Take a shower. Wash your hair. Get a job. Go to the job. Don't overspend. Don't rent or buy beyond your means. Don't rely on people for what God said he would provide. See, it's tar- it has to be these increments of process. Why? Because it's developing something in here that you're going to need down the road. And if you are underdeveloped, you just have this tiny little wing. And it just looks so silly for you to be all proud of something that is deformed. That's atrophied. I'm just telling you the truth. It looks silly as Christians who we say God has come and he's given us all this stuff. He has blessed us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have this. We have that. We have all this. And we just look like the world. We say things to our wife like the world would. We say things to our friends. We say things at work. We do all these things that look just like the world. Quit saying you're a Christian then. Is in name only. Republican in name only. Christian in name. What is that? Uh, Rhino? Let me think. What did you say? Sino. Okay, that's it. Christian in name only. We don't want to be Christians in name only. The process of maturing has to be in our minds. We cannot get away from it. Quit acting like you're going to get the free pass and you don't have to mature when everybody else on the planet has to. That's what a fatherless generation is doing. It's just a free pass. You don't want to? You don't have to. Don't want to come to church? You don't have to. Don't want to go to work that day? You don't have to. There'll be somebody else. Somebody else will hire you. Get some money from your brother. See, the the process is that I am maturing unto something. I'm maturing unto a place that I realize I'm not my own. I've been bought with the price. I, I am a valuable, I am so valuable because he gave his life for me. And see, if you don't believe that if you were the only person on the planet that needed salvation and Jesus would do that for you, you don't get salvation. You know, religion's so funny. I I think it was Larry, I think I wrote this down. Let me look real quick. In this book I'm reading, yes, this limitless book, Larry Randolph, she quotes him, when the creativity of the Lord is absent, It makes room for the religious spirit which wants to just do things over and over and over and over and over. She says this, she said, the more freedom we allow the spirit, the more freedom we will find for ourselves. We are supposed to be the temple for the Holy Spirit living in us, not the walls But we can become the walls, the parameters, as we set boundaries and limitations for God. We need to allow the Spirit new levels levels of liberation. Sometimes we are so afraid to be free in case we get it wrong and in case we cannot control everything. Yet if we would make it our goal to listen and sync with the Spirit of God, then new ideas would would not scare us. Because this is the essence of who he is. He's creative and expansive. 
The first striking revelation, she says for herself, was the awareness that we can all be creative through the Spirit in various ways. It is not for the arts only. It is in ideas and solutions and strategies and medical breakthroughs and mathematical formulas in teaching and relationships in families in mission in worship and more. It can affect and energize any area of our lives and churches. She said the very first line of the Bible, we discover that the primary thing God chooses to reveal to us is his character and his ability that he's a creator. Yes. That should just, oh, I just don't even get it. Like that, that is why you're here because he's creative. And so he made you just like him. Why would we not want to create something? It doesn't make sense. He's the creator and he's in the act of creating now. So just because you're in a cocoon, he's creating something in you. Hate it all day long. It won't make it end earlier. Man, you know what I hate? I hate to get into the cocoon because I got out of the one I wouldn't stay in. That one's different. It's a real thing, I'm telling you. He has cocoons prepared for you. Remember what waiting is. It's not inactivity. It's an expectation of amazing stuff. So if I'm in the cocoon and I'm like, when am I getting out of this? Well, you're just going to have another cocoon in the same area over and over and over and over and over until you're 100. I know people over 80 still in the same cocoon they were in in their 30s. Over and over and over and over. They never end. Because they look at it as bondage instead of creating the liberty to be what God made them to be. She said his very definition is that he's creative. God is never meaningly less random. So the initial line of his word contains a crucial message to us beyond the obvious information. Creativity is part of the nucleus of God's nature. Listen to this. The desire and ability to bring into being something that was not there before. Asterisk word of the year. Therefore, a very obvious conclusion would be that we would carry godly creative, creative ability in some way. We have become so removed from the understanding of what the creativity of God is within us and the possibilities of it through us that this now bears little meaning to many Christians. Not here. But that's true. You know, I've been creative all my life. Every church I ever went to, I painted these big old murals on the wall everywhere. Made posters, signs, made shirts. Anything where I could just put some color on something, make a picture or do something. Why? Because I have this need. I mean, when I'm watching that little graphic, I'm like, I have this need, Tessa. I have this need. Tessa doesn't have time, but Tessa, I have this need. I need, I need to do that. 
Did you know that program that they use? I've bought that so many times and I want to do that. Why? Because I want to illustrate what he's doing. Why does when, so, when someone walks in and sees a picture, what does it do to them? It, it causes our imagination to be ignited towards something different. And when we have spent all of our time on this thing right here, it has basically atrophied our imagination. Yes. You know, I tell men all the time, thank you, she gave me a, quit, don't listen to a bunch of stuff, set before God. Just, it, just if you have a little bit of time and he directs you towards something, why? Because her, the gift in her is to hear his voice, and if she does not protect that, her emotions and feelings will be drawn towards some other ministry. And what are they doing over here? And what are they doing over there? She has to be really protective. You see, when we're not protecting our gift, it is all over the creation, tarnation. It's everywhere, and we are, that. what is that, jack of all trades, master of nothing. We have gone so far, so bad in the church, we don't even think God moves through creative things. Not here, but I'm saying, I've gone to those churches, right? The only thing we could do is do a little song service. That was all the creativity we could do. All you artists, just get home. That's just that's just a craft. No, that's just you <laughs> that word here. That's just a hobby. We go with hobby. It's just a hobby. No, it's a God calling. I mean, when you meet somebody like Breezy who could do anything, she can sing, dance, stand on her head, race twelve boys. Right. Can you imagine at her house with all those boys? I can't. I'm like, no. Bailey's like, no. And she loves it. When I met her, she was like, yeah, she wasn't even, uh, she wasn't even home. I was like, why can't you be a mom? You're not home. You can't, you can't be a mom. You've got to be home. You've got to be home. Moms are home. That's what we're doing. Well, see, it's not that she can't do a bunch of stuff. It's just he's not breathing on everything at one time. It would be impossible. And if you are not able to get with him and know what he's breathing on, then all you're going to do is touch a a thousand things in your life, and it's going to go that far. I want to push in. I want to push in and perfect and make it excellent. Keep pushing till it's better. I mean, I never, ever come up here where I don't tweak the sound. I mean, I may work them to death, but I'm like, this is not good. I'm going to say it again. They already know. I'm going to listen to it tomorrow, and I'm going to be texting them saying, this isn't it. Why? Because we've got to keep pressing. There's always more to learn. They're, I'm trying to get them to be in an avenue of learning, not in the avenue. We made it. Check. Done. We ain't done. We're not going to be done. Because when we learn this, I'm going to bring something else in. We're going to learn that. We're not done. You see, that's what your assignment is, is to keep taking territory, keep changing something, keep keep taking your anointing, spreading it around somewhere so it'll change everything. Don't set a home with it. You know what I mean. We're all designed by God to be creative. So what is this creativity for? And why do we feel it's lost when it must be stored in the dusty attic through the pressures of life. Make room. Listen to me. Make room in your life this year 
for the creative nature and force of God. Co-lab in creativity. There is a, such an anointing of partnership. There's such an annoying, listen, quit being independent islands. It's irrelevant. It is not, it's not smart. Because God blesses and multiplies and gives favor to covenant. And so you may not think you have time, but you do. Let me do your schedule. If you don't think you have time, Bring, I have people that I've asked to see their schedule the whole time I've known them, and they never have. Because you don't want anybody to do your schedule. But you have time. Yes. You just don't see it well. And so when you are independent, you have, you have made you a boar's nest. That's what I call it. Of time. you got this big boar's nest. And you got to have this big... I mean, when I met Mendel, like, can I say... You don't have to ask you... She would be like, well, she'd have to have a big block of time to do something. It'd be like, I need, I need, I'm going to exaggerate, okay, right now, okay? I need four hours to brush my teeth. And I'd be like, well, I think you could do that in less time. No, this is the block of time I have for that. I'm like, oh, man, God's going to so mess that up. Because you're hanging out with me, and there, I have zero of that. I don't even brush my teeth in the same order. I mean, that is never going to happen. That is none of that is going to work here. And like, you're not going to know what we're going to say. You don't get to write it all down. You just got to come and we're going to wing it. That's what we did today. All this, we just winged, we just winged it. But see, she loves it now. Now she's like, oh my gosh, it's so much freedom. All that other stuff was just, oh, it's so much treasury. And man, you can get more done that way. Listen, you've got to let God go after every little thing. You've got to let him invade and put the microscope and put the spotlight and put you down the ground and stand you up high. You've got to let him get involved in moving you around a little bit. Man, I'm just so tired of us being so small. I mean, have you heard some of these stories? I mean, Aaron and Gwen, hand in hand. She was just mad at him two months ago. Hand in hand. Hand in hand. Going up, skipping down the street, praying for people and then prophesying to them in the middle of the street. I mean, what happened? I confronted her. That's what happened. And what did she do? She repented. Now they're best friends. Which was really all she wanted all along anyway. He gives her courage. He gives her protection. He makes it easy for her. And guess what? They ran into somebody on Friday night that Jack knew from some place. I don't know where that was. And then, I mean, it was just a crazy story where you're just like going, how does all that even happen? How does that all come together in the middle of the street? I mean, who are these people and why do they know? <laughs> Only God. Yeah. They, they made a covenant. They made, they made a connection. And wow. Doors are just opening. It's so easy. We didn't, I mean, people coming out, clamoring to come out. Yoke is easy. Regardless of the arena you work in or the destiny on your life, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, you got that? Yes. Check. Say check. check. You have, say that. I have. God's creative power within me. It's not your power. So it's not for you. Not your power. 
Not for you. Not your power. Not for you. You are supposed to be gifted, ingenious, innovative, inspired, inventive, original, productive, prolific, and stimulating. We may all release this in different ways and in different fields, but the point remains that these attributes are part of your godly DNA. You can't get away from them. You can stuff them and snuff them and push them down. You can rename them. You can stick labels on them. You can let somebody tell you what they are, but at the end of the day, it's still God. It's His DNA trying to come out in you, trying to free you to be what He made you to be so you will feel free. You know, this season is is such an amazing thing. And I, you know, Sidwell and I had talked and she wanted to do an amazing dance today. And the name of the song that she's going to do this, do it to is um, I Will Rise. And so I, I wrote a little snippet, um, but I wanted to read these words from this song that she's going to dance to, just so that in case you're old and you can't hear. But... <laughs> You know, old people, we can't hear stuff, you know, so we just, it just, yeah, it's true. That's why we have to have the captions on, on the TV. Does anybody have to have the captions on? Come on, Colleen, raise your hand. We have to have the caption on. Okay, it's just true. It just happens because, you know, we can't see all those words. In fact, the other day, Mendel and I, we were trying to find something to watch, and I mean, like I was, I don't know, probably watched 30 seconds of a preview, and I turned to her and I said, you know what? I don't even know if they're speaking English. <laughs> It's just the preview, and I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't pick up enough words to make a whole sentence. So I was like, you know, all those movies they dub over, and they're like, "Hi, how you doing?" You're like, you can't watch their mouths. I mean, I want to have the caption on then because I don't want to look at their mouths. Just read. It's like, well, if I wanted to watch a movie with captions, I could just read a book. I mean, it's like it's weird, right? All right. Come on, laugh a little bit. Some of you are not even smiling. So serious today. So, so serious. So serious. Teresa offended me with her words. Okay, this is, this is the song. This is the song's words. In the stillness all around where you are working out all the details, what's in me will grow someday. I trust your timing and your ways. Underground is where life begins. My heart will rejoice in the hiddenness. That's what he's asking for you today. Rejoice in the hiddenness. Beyond the burial, there's a resurrection. Your, your will be done in me. Let my, my roots grow deep. I will rise. I will rise. So in light of this, I, I wrote this little word. It says, I found myself in the sea of confusion, rocked to and fro with the rough tide of hopelessness. Is this life? Is this all? I wondered, where is more? More? Is it letting go or holding on? Is it standing up or getting low? How will I know? Will I miss it by standing when I should have been low? Will I be behind if I'm laying low and he said ascend? Which one is it? Where can I find the one I love? Is he elusive? Is this love a figment of my imagination or is it real? Jesus, you found me. 
in my confusion, confusion of mixture, not of my design, but of my way that I felt so lost. You found me, and now I'm not lost anymore. I wasn't really lost, but I've been found, found by the one who loved me first, restored me to my first love, and known by me until it's found. I found I'm the one who thought I was lost. I'm the one who was searching. But he, he was always looking straight at me. I was the one who couldn't see. I was the one who couldn't hear. I was the one who felt lost. But that day, the day you found me, I became found no longer lost in the sea of confusion, I'm now captivated by those fiery eyes of love. My heart feels found. My life feels surrounded, not by confusion and hopelessness, but by love, by acceptance, by Him. To the one who knew I wasn't lost, you had always found me. I was never lost to you. You were always right beside me. I was never lost to you. My heart feels captured by love. It hears me. It knows me. It's real. It's life. This is love. Now, when I see others tossed to and fro on the sea of life, I remember me the one who felt so lost, but now knows I was never really lost. You were always there. You were always waiting. You knew I would be yours. You knew I would choose you. You knew I would never feel lost again. Your love has won this scared, fearful heart of mine. It has won the day for me. So this I know. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I see you. You rose to meet me. The stone was rolled away not for you, but for me to see. You are the risen one. And now I know I will rise too. I will rise up to meet you in our secret place. I will rise to meet you there. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay